Hey, community fans, if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, consider backing me on Patreon and becoming a patron uh, for as little as two bucks a month. It is really helpful for me uh, to keep things going and uh, keep the podcast moving forward. Thanks. Bye-bye. Welcome, Jen, from Community Rewatch Podcast. Thanks for joining oh. Six Seasons in a Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, we were having a conversation ahead of this uh, this uh, conversation, so I wanted to, to move it into the, the real conversation. And one of the things I was saying is that um, uh, I like the idea of the podcasts um, working together and creating a little C community. I actually like the idea of all of the creators that are doing something for community to kind of lean in and, and support each other. Um, uh, it seemed like you were, you were on board with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that was what the whole show for me was about though, was, was communities what helped me form community with people and with like fan art creators and, the cast and writers and fans and so I really feel like even 10 years later it's just amazing that we're still talking about community like and people who we've met through community yeah exactly yeah and you know I'm uh, my background or what I do I'm, I'm kind of a digital marketer I'm more of an analyst these days but you know so going into the process of saying well you know if I do this podcast like I started off real slow at the beginning in September and then I did one in October and then it's kind of like, well, if I'm going to really do this, I'm going to do my whole, you know, startup, you know, social media blitz. Mm-hmm. And I, I really started uncovering these little um, bastions of, of community fans and started with Twitter. And then I went over to Instagram and then I found this um, community discord chat thing, which is what the kids I don't know, do these days. And, yeah. and then, you know, the subreddit and then there's a Facebook, a couple of Facebook groups. And so, you know, it was like, Oh, this is great. You know, between all of that, there's probably, I don't know, uh, I don't know how many active people in the subreddit, but you know, close to, you know, three, 400,000 people between all of those places. And, yeah. you know, it's just, it's pretty cool. Um, how many of them are really active? I'm not sure, but, um, I'm, I'm really pleased to see, you know, people who are listening to the podcast and, um, um, you know, so that was me. One of the reasons I really wanted to say, no, like, I don't want to just be this, this, you know, competitor. I want to, you know, be a little C, mm-hmm. little C community with you. And, and yeah. as I said in my tweet to you, because I am very much not going to have, I, I have just one perspective. I, you know, I, I, you know, I went to a community college early on and, you know, was in those kinds of study groups. But ultimately, my perspective is pretty limited and I wanted to really um, hear more from you. And um, so I've just did a long introduction. And uh, so, Jen, <laughs> tell me more about um, your podcast and, and you. Yeah. So um, I started watching community in, oh, gosh. Uh, it was after it was the after the season one finale aired. Um, I'd seen advertisements for it. I'd watched NBC. I loved The Office, that kind of thing. And a friend of mine told me you should really watch the show. You're really gonna like it. So I 
thought, okay, you know, I'll give it, I'll give it a few episodes and I'll see if I do. Um, I wasn't really hooked as soon as I watched it until I hit the episode, The Fall Feminism in You. Uh, and then that suddenly became like the episode where I found myself laughing out loud. And I was like, okay, I think this is it. I think I'm getting what they're saying. Um, and so I watched all of, you know, season one when uh, the show was on hiatus and then watched season two. And by the time season three rolled around, I was kind of in a dead-end job. And I, I went to school for creative writing. That's my passion. It's always been my passion. And uh, I wasn't really doing that at my job. So I told the same friend, I was like, I think I'm going to start writing reviews of community because I really love the show. It's really great. It's got so much depth in it. And I said, I'm going to do it. And she's like, okay, you should do it. So I told her, oh, you're going to be the only person who ever reads these reviews. No one's ever going to read them, but whatever, I'll start a blog. So I did. Um, and it was the episode, uh, the second episode of season three. Uh, and I just on a whim was like, you know what? Go on social media, go on Twitter. I'll, I'll tweet the review to Dan Harmon. What harm could come from that? <laughs> he probably won't even see it anyway. Like he's not reading reviews. I remember reading an article that said, oh, he's not looking at reviews for the season because he doesn't want to be, you know, like burdened by them or like, you know, be upset by them. And I thought, okay. So I did that. Went back to work, didn't think anything of it. And then I checked Twitter later, and uh, Dan Harmon had not only read my review, but he had responded to me on Twitter and said, I just devoured that at an airport bar. It was exactly what I needed. Uh, great job, kiddo. And that kind of just sparked people from the community fandom following me on Twitter. And I was like, I guess I'm doing reviews now of the show. So I started writing about the show and uh, just as like a little side project. And that side project became um, a website uh, called Just About Right, um, W-R-I-T-E, because I'm punny like that. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, it, uh, I wrote about the show for the rest of the, the series while it was on the air and then in the sixth season on Yahoo Screen. Um, and it's just been such a fun experience to how much the fandom has been receptive to things and uh, I, when I was thinking about how it was 10 years later I was like you know maybe I'll do a podcast about this I mean I have a lot of friends that I have met um, in real life and on social media who I met because of the show and I kind of talked to a few of them and was like if I do this thing would you be interested in coming on and talking about these episodes and they're like absolutely so that's kind of how the Community Rewatch podcast is born. And it's um, this is a very long roundabout way and also a glimpse of what you will get on our podcast, which is just us <laughs> talking in depth about what we love about the show and the writing and character development and plot and all of that jazz and um, doing a few fun special episodes, uh, you know, holiday-centric ones when time rolls around. So. It's been really fun. It's just been really exciting to to watch the show again because I don't think I had rewatched it in a long time since it probably since it went off the air um, in season six. So yeah, it's great, and I love just being able to connect with other people even ten years later who love the show, uh, like you and this podcast. And um, it's just really exciting. I just really I will always have a soft spot in my heart for community, and so any chance I get to talk about it is a good one. Yeah, 
that's uh, I love it, and I think I read part of um, part of your explanation about uh, meeting or re- Dan reading your article, and and I just think that's to me what makes Dan kind of special. In you'll get get some of those moments. Um, and he tweeted back to me one time um, when I. Um, I asked him probably a few years after the season four episode or season. Yeah. Season four episodes that aired. And I, I said, you know, you know, it's been a couple of years. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but are you, you still really don't like these? Cause I feel like there's, there's at least a handful of these episodes that really capture, you know, capture the magic, still have it. And he was like, um, well, it's not my cup of tea. Well, it is my cup of tea, but you know, you you understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, and I um I respect him and I, I'm not sure if did you listen to Harmontown much? Were you a Harmontownite at all? I I was not. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm not going to lie. I have a complicated kind of relationship with Dan Harmon mm. based on a lot of things that have come out after the show has ended sure. and that stuff. And you know, I will always appreciate him for what he did for community. Um, I know a lot of people who watch community followed him and his other projects. I was just never, never one of those people. Um, but you know, the fact that he helped list, uh, my community reviews and therefore my future website off the ground will never be lost on me. So I think that that's, uh, it's always something that I'm, you know, at least appreciative of, um, for that little start for me. But, yeah, nope, I have not listened to Harmontown um, uh, at all. Yeah, that's and that's I, I'm not surprised. Um, and <laughs> and I totally, I, I absolutely understand your perspective. And yeah. um, you know, and I think that's what's kind of interesting about him that you know, I, I've I definitely see those ugly warts, um, and I think he mm-hmm. would he lived them out loud with people, and yeah. and I think we're 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 definitely we're certainly talking about the Megan Gans thing and yeah um I can tell you uh, from my perspective it was uh, when he did his apology um, I know we're we're getting all over the place but um I love it Um, I think uh, it's gonna set up the the conversation about the episode so um but when he did that and uh you know I, I thought it was a really uh, meaningful apology, but what I appreciated most was Megan's response, and I and I really yeah, look forward to, to you know if she would want to even broach the subject. But I I at least t- tell her that you know as a guy, and you know I, I um I, it was really meaningful to go to to just search through, especially with the with the Me Too th- uh, moments, and mm-hmm. um it was it's very very moving to just kind of step back and say, wow, you know what was I totally a cool dude to everyone that, you know, all of the women that I interacted with. And, I, and I'm sure you've had conversations with, with other yeah. guys and your, your, and, and other uh, female friends and that kind of thing. But uh, yeah. I just wanted to say that's where I come from. I come from a very, oh, like yeah. this, this, you know, Dan, you know, publicly doing his thing and Megan just, you know, handling it like a champ. Um, yeah. It just was, yeah, yeah. I, um, and I think there's other moments where where Dan has failed in and then you know kind of worked his way back to uh, works his way through it and so I, I wouldn't say that uh, you know he's not an angel and you certainly yeah. um, by any means but I appreciate the 
the journey that um, that he I've gone through by listening to him, and um, and actually wasn't a big Dan. I, I wasn't. I just I was kind of um, agnostic to Dan until, believe it or not, actually until uh, his Whiting Wong's um, podcast in like 20, 2017, 2018, I think it was. Mm, I had actually yeah. not really engaged with him much as like a entity until he mm. did the podcast with Jessica Gao, and that was that moment where like it was you know he was deconstructing himself and then he does this uh in in regards to race and and writers rooms and those kinds of things but then he goes through the megan gans experience and and uh you know i yeah it was very very uh i was going through stuff too like where it was yeah anyway so i I just (laughs) uh i can appreciate the the moments and the complexity to it um yeah and I mean, Megan Gans's response is definitely something that I will always, and I, I will always admire Megan Gans just as a writer. Some of my favorite episodes of the show were penned by Megan Gans. And she's just brilliant. I mean, she's a cooperative uh, choreography. Yep. Like that, just, that brilliance is, yep. is not lost on me. And, and knowing then behind the scenes kind of what was going on, just her resilience. And I know that she dealt with a lot of things, but her response is incredibly classy and, yep. and just indicative of the kind of person she clearly is. And, you know, we are in this age where things come out about creators and people who have have made content that we love, and then we have these complicated emotions toward them because it's like, can I support this thing anymore? Can I be a fan of this thing anymore? Mm-hmm. Is this person irredeemable? Like, what do I do with this? And you have yeah. to hold that tension of like, this person has created a thing that I love is problematic. Um, and that doesn't mean that this thing is bad. This doesn't mean the community is, you know, is terrible because, you know, Dan Herman has his stuff and, and he created it. But, you know, that's just a conversation that I think has been so illuminating over the last, you know, couple of years and definitely decade. It's just being able to walk through that with, with fans of the show too, because it's, you know, kind of all came out after the show had ended and, and just being able to kind of have those, those points of dialogue still, I think is, is great. I think that that's what, um, when social media is used for, uses powers for good. That is what we can do with it, is we can have dialogues and we can form community and we can have these discussions. Um, and that's always great. And look, people are complex. No one is completely good. No one's completely, you know, black and white. It, it, it's, oh, most of us are operate in a, a shade of gray, but I think that um, I think there are responses, uh, regardless of you know how how you feel if, about who's in the right, who's in the wrong. They did respond in a way that was indicative of, of just okay. That's that's a that's an acceptable, classy response. And they said, okay, we're moving on now, and yeah. you know yeah. left it there. So um, yeah, so I appreciate that, and I definitely will you know appreciate Megan Gans' response too for that mm-hmm. for that so yeah yeah and and i think you know i have two daughters that you know like i said uh in our previous com- pre-conversation the two young mm-hmm. ones six and nine and and um i think about these things and uh it, you know i you know I, I know that not every dad does so uh yeah. but i yeah. you know i actually actively pursue it and i um i want to be, i don't want to be told i'm wrong I, I i just i want their i want to know when i'm wrong and I want mm-hmm. to know like how I can help and I want to know yeah. how I can, um, 
you just be a good friend as a yeah. guy to every person that I interact with. And so, uh, yeah, yeah I, 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 that's one of the reasons I wanted to, you know, make, uh, you know, six seasons in a podcast, be, be that friend to, to the community rewatch podcast and, and, yeah. and your perspective on, um, we can jump into the, the, um, the episode if you want. Yeah. Be, yeah. Let's go for it. Okay. Um, <laughs> So we're talking about um, the football fe- feminism and you episode, and mm-hmm. you know uh, I like to point out. I think it's we pointed out maybe in our in our chat lead up to this that uh, it's written by Hillary Winston, so it's written by one yeah. of the the female writers. Um, yeah. Um, uh, do you know anything about her? Do you have any perspective on? I don't. I don't know much about her. Um, I was trying to go back. I know we had had this kind of conversation before one of the things that I I kind of was uh, passionate about I think I had to look it up the article that I wrote about it was in 2014 was just the um just the balance of women and men in the writing room and community over the years and what that looks like but um you know for it to be the sixth episode and hey it's written by Hillary Winston um it was super great I know she was not on the on staff um, very long so yeah uh, i think she might have yeah. been season two as well i was doing a list of yeah yeah i was trying to look that up too like which um you know one of the hard things when you look at shows is the is turnover with staff and and new people come on and and people leave all the time which is totally totally normal but it can shift the tone of a writer's room or a show um but i know a lot of women um or uh, you know maybe not a lot like a good number of them were on the show the first two seasons and then by season three a lot of people shifted off staff to go work on other projects um and a lot of NBC projects and things like that too a lot of comedies that you know I also then loved yeah um yeah but yeah they did know that she was on the show for a shorter period of time than than like Megan Gans for instance Mm -hmm. um yeah, I think um, Megan came on in season two, and uh, I'm not sure who. But and there's Emily Cutler who's in in season um, season two, and we and still had Carrie. Uh, so yeah, the, Emily Cutler, and then um, you had like uh, Steve Bacalone and Annie Medain. Medain, I'm going to butcher her last name, yeah. but they were like a writing duo that uh-huh. were on the show for a while too. So you'd have her on, um, and believe that they wrote regional holiday music. Um, but yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think, um, you know, one of the things that Andrew, um, told me, Andrew guest, uh, uh, season one and two writer, he, he did say that there was a particular, um, grind to the, the writer's room. It was a lot, you know, at least one, you know, overnight every, every week. Um, and you know, he was, (laughs) luckily he, he wasn't married, didn't have kids at the time. And, uh, but he did say he got burned out after two seasons. And, um, so I, I I don't know what, you know, I, I look forward to talking to Hillary and Megan and, and get their perspective. And, um, uh, because I, you know, what goes into, I have, I don't know. I don't even know what I don't know sometimes when, when it comes to the dynamics of, of picking shows and. Yeah. Um, well, and every writer's room is different. So you yeah. listen to different creators talk about how things are structured and like community with the writer's room, from what I understand was structured differently than new girl, like new girl, um, Liz Merriweather, 
and Brett Baer and Dave Finkel talked quite frequently about how they had three separate rooms. They had an A storyline, a B storyline room, and then a joke room. Hmm. Um, so that's like just one of the examples, I think, of, of the way that they structured specifically their show, but that not all comedies necessarily can structure their rooms the same way. Yeah. So it would, it, it would definitely be interesting to kind of hear more about that, what that process is and what the process looks like. Um, because to me, it's, Interesting, because I'm a writer. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I was like, ooh, tell me about this. Tell me about your process. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, it sounded like what, uh, you know, very early on, they had a, a couple weeks of, of just beginning. Like, they started with, you know, who is this person? You know, who is Britta? And um, yeah. what what are they, you know, so they, they spent a long time kind of incubating the characters. But, um, yeah. So. Well, and you can definitely see that early on in the episodes. You can see... Um, because, you know, it, like I said, it's been a while since I rewatched uh, Community in part or in full. Uh, and it's, it has been a long time since I rewatched any of season one. And when I was rewatching the pilot, even, I was like, oh, I forgot about so much of this, the stuff that was on the show. And there's an outside and, like, uh, there's sunlight out there. And, yeah. you know, just you could tell, even in Football Feminism and You, just that they're starting to kind of figure out with character pairings, what works and with, you know, what is funny and uh, who these characters are and what makes them tick. And I think that, you know, you started to see that, especially like with Donald Glover and Danny Pudi being put together and that really working and clicking. So still early on they were, you know, it's natural. They're trying to figure out who are these people and what makes them funny yep. um, and what makes them relatable and endearing to our audience as well. Yep. Um, so uh, Hillary also wrote um, Politics of Human Sexuality from the, uh, yes. uh, the STD, you, STD Fair. Yes, you are correct because uh, I I talked about <laughs> I talked about Football Feminism and You. I did a, a, a rewatch and uh, a podcast episode about it and my um, guest who is also an associate editor and uh, for my website and uh, a friend of mine commented that that is one of her favorite episodes and it's a very underrated episode yeah. and Hillary also wrote that. So you are correct. Thanks for talking in Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It has one of my favorite lines. Albert says, if you're going to have sex tonight, don't use condoms. You know, so <laughs> very, very amusing. Especially like, like, you forget, I forgot so much of the early season because, you know, community got really big after and by big I mean like they realized after modern warfare like oh they can start to do those kind of things mm -hmm. and people respond to them so it's often funny to me to go back and rewatch episodes like Football Feminism and You or like just even the pilot or Spanish 101 and to to remember how simple the stories were back then like and how everything nothing in this episode was crazy like yeah. it was just a normal day or two or three at Greendale. And yet it is the first episode that hooked me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, there's nothing wacky. There's nothing genre about yeah. most of these beginning yeah. episodes. Yeah. There's no homages. There's no kind of sticks. And, and I mean, that's one of the things that I, I kind of always go back and forth on is that the show did football feminism. is one of my favorites to reason it's because it's just so good all around. It's just, it, it's so funny it does so many things well and it wasn't big or grand or an homage or some out of the box thing and um, 
you know, I always go back and forth on whether or not I, I kind of have nostalgia for these episodes where I kind of miss season one. Um, you know, on the same hand, remedial chaos theory is a stroke of genius. And hmm. that, you know, is way more concept out of the box than this episode. But, you know, I think that that's kind of the game that the show had to play. And sometimes it did it well and sometimes it didn't do it so well. But balancing those very normal episodes with those very high concept episodes. Yeah, yeah. And then they're just, they're giving a lot of this, this backstory and, and, you know, they're working yeah. through the, the tension of the will they, won't they between, you know, Jeff and the, and the, and Annie and, and Britta and those yeah. kinds of things. Um, and so, you know, this episode feels more, um, rom-com sitcom than some yeah. of the other ones. Um, and I, and I say yeah. that in a good way. Um, I, I'm a fan of those, both of those things and, um, but I think that's because we're getting this voice, and I think that's why it's important for us to stop and say, Hillary wrote this episode, so it's going to have yeah. just this, you know, this voice that, I, you know, like, they should stop the TV when, you know, like, and they should make a point to say, written by so-and-so. Be- I don't know, I just why, that's why I'm doing this podcast, because we have to yeah. know who wrote this, because it, yeah. it just provides so much depth and information to... Why, you know why the the characters are going to act just slightly differently than yeah. than they did in previous episodes. Yeah, and I mean that's one of the things that I mentioned too when I rewatched this is that I won't say my favorite all of my favorite episodes of Community were written by women because obviously Romeo Chaos Theory is probably still one of my favorites, and that's Chris McKenna, absolutely brilliant. But like you can, there is something to having a balance. Uh, writer stuff and, and that those voices coming out in these episodes and in Megan Gans's episodes, it's just so, it's so necessary. And, uh, you know, apart from the fact that Hillary Winston is literally in this episode for a brief second, uh-huh. um, the fact that she has her voice in this, I think is so important. Um, but that she, you can tell that, she understood what made each of these characters funny. And I think that that's what makes this whole episode funny. Um, the first scene that ever made me laugh out loud in a show is the conversation between Jeff and Troy on the football field <laughs> where, um, you know, he's like, yep. your blood. and then they go back and forth and I just cracked up and I don't know what it was about it. I just was like, this is so funny because this is so these characters yep. and I'm getting a sense now of what each of these characters is. Um, and then you've got Annie, you get her personality in this episode. Um, this is a great episode where they, they found such a great use for Pierce uh, with Dean Pelton. Like that, I was like, I'm not expecting this pairing. And yet it works. Like it, and Britta and Shirley's story, um, which I will forever lament the fact that this is pretty much the only <laughs> solid Britta Shirley story um, we really see. I mean, we kind of see some later on, but like just, you can see that they were shaping Britta's character and Shirley's character, um, not just as people, but like obviously as women too. Mm. And that's, I think what Hillary Winston really brought to this is just understanding that, you know, the comedy comes from the characters and the actors and their natural bent toward, uh, you know, humor. And it really comes through. It's like I said, it's still one of my favorite episodes. And this was, season one episode six <laughs> yeah. and it still holds up as one of the one of the greatest for me um, 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, you have a balance uh, in I, 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 in my notes. I have you know Troy and Annie, Jeff and Troy, mm-hmm. Britta and Shirley. You know Dean and uh, the Dean and Pierce. You have mm-hmm. uh, you know all of these characters going you know going back and forth, and um, yeah. you have you know as, you know just think like Troy and Annie. You know Annie is. Um, you know, she's balancing between Jeff and and um, and Troy, and, and when she's with Jeff, she's formidable, and 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 when mm-hmm. she's with Troy, she's she's acting like she's back in high school. I think early on, Jeff, you can just see him basically wanting to stir the pot with people and with the study group. So that kind of gets on your nerves after a while. You're like, okay, come on, just learn a lesson and let it stick. But I think as you chart his progress over the series and the fact that these people become the people who he tells them at the end of the series, like you've changed my life forever. And I love you. Um, you get to watch that growth. And there are always going to be moments where I look at Jeff and I'm like, Ugh, come on early Jeff. Can't you just learn your lesson already? <laughs> um, but you know, I think because he's played by Joel McHale too, and Joel's a, a naturally pretty endearing person. Um, and he has, he has a way of, portraying Jeff that is not just straight up uh, jerk. Like you see those moments of softness, you see the lady Lord at the end of this episode. So you're like, okay, you're not all bad. Um, you know, yeah. If the, he was Charlie Sheen, it would be like, Oh yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> but like, you know, it's Joel McHale. So you're like, okay, yeah. he's, you know, he has a way of understanding that, you know, Jeff Winger is not all bad. He's just, he's so used to being one way and he's never had anyone force him to be another way. Like, his whole life has just been him doing this, and he's been fine. Until he meets people who go, that's not fine, and guess what? We're going to make you pay consequences for that. Then I think you start to see Jeff actually grow, and because he's forced to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that... I think that we're meant to not always like what Jeff does, but also in this episode, one of my favorite things is that you're also not meant to like what Annie does. Um, just because Jeff's selfishness is more prevalent doesn't mean that Annie's was any better. Like Annie was trying to control and manipulate Troy into liking her, you know, and it, she wasn't doing it out of the goodness of her heart entirely. She had an ulterior motive and Jeff called her out on it and was being like, you're not as good as I am yet. Um, and I think that that is kind of what makes community so great to me is that each of these characters in their own way has things that about them that seem good, but then when taken too far are actually really selfish and not great at all. You know, they can, they can be not all wonderful. Um, and that's what makes them complex. And so just like Jeff is selfish in this episode, Annie is just as selfish too. And she's just better at hiding it. Um, or masking it in some ulterior motive. Yeah, so, yeah, and I think yeah. you've you've got to expect that Troy knows somewhat what Annie is doing. I mean, yeah, you, you know, like he's not he's not completely oblivious. But yeah. also, again, he's getting something out of this. Yeah. He's like getting the smartest person in class. Oh yeah, to oh yeah. Study, you know, so so I think Troy's just kind of like, eh, whatever. Like, you know. I'll, I'll throw her a bone, essentially. And again, kind of like what Britta does to Shirley in this episode. Oh, I was just throwing you a bone. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's pitying me, like, and that's rude, and I don't want that, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that, I think they all kind of know that there's 
not entirely pure intentions here, but they also are getting the thing out of it they want to get out of it. Troy gets a good grade, and he gets time with Troy, and Jeff's hoping that he'll get, you know, his face removed from posters. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Can you um, unpack the, the that B story of... Uh, as a as a female to us men of like the women going in pairs, is oh, that, yeah, is yeah, that, absolutely. Can you be the translator is, for us? <laughs> it is so accurate. It is like it, I was talking with my friend about this, and I think that that's what makes this episode so endearing. That side story of Britta and Shirley, because that is what we do. We we seek support and we have emotional conversations. Um, I was telling a person. I think I saw it like on Twitter or social media or something about how women in the bathroom are like your greatest type women. Um, if you ever go to, if you're a woman and you ever go to like a bar or a club or, you know, somewhere like a restaurant at night, um, you, you will meet random women who will just compliment you in the bathroom or give you a pep talk or be the shoulder that you cry on. Or it's just a, an interesting kind of bond that happens. <laughs> I don't know why. I cannot explain it to you. There is just something about women and community in the bathroom. And uh, I loved this story. And all of the, the women that I've talked to who are fans of community who love this, we all are like, this is such an accurate representation of what it's like to be a woman and to have female friendship because it makes it's such a brilliant move on the show's part to make Britta that focus because, like, come on, Annie's, you know, you can kind of tell even just by brief conversations that Annie. Um, though she might have been an outcast in high school, like Annie still had female friendships mm-hmm. and kind of against that sense. Whereas, and Shirley is very much like Shirley and Annie, kind of because they sit next to each other, you get to see that sense of like their little dynamic. But Britta, Britta's never really had that relationship before. So Britta doesn't understand that this is a, a friendship move. She thinks, oh, it's just this woman from study group who... I'm trying to throw a bone to you. And Shirley sees it as she's rejecting my friendship. Like, and it takes it very personally. And I think at this point in the series too, with knowing that, you know, Shirley's divorced and I'm sure that people pitied Shirley for a long time. She doesn't want people's pity. She doesn't need people's pity. What she wants is to genuinely be a friend with Britta and Britta squanders that at first because she's never been taught the intricacies. Mm of female friendship and she's never really had that those relationships before and so she you watch her throughout the series kind of try and struggle with and learn those those dynamics um and even like just calling her out like do you not understand like what this is (laughs) and her being genuinely confused is you know an indicator that this is abnormal for her, but I just find it so it's such an endearing story to me because it's so accurate. And also because it's such a great uh, look at early Britta and her development and early Shirley and her development. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. First, I want to say, um, um, that um, men who are listening to this, I, I think it's great to know that like that's real and good for yep. you women that that's you have that for each other. Um, yeah. Guys are like, you don't talk in the bathroom. I straight. Yeah, no, I, I literally am reading a book about like uh, about 
that basically affirms that like yeah. that men it's an unspoken rule that men do not talk yeah yeah it, yeah we shun yeah. the guys who who don't and especially the guys who don't wash their hands those are that exists yeah. anyway um yeah. but it's great that that's that's real you know it comes from real uh, reality yeah. and and you know um hillary brought that into the episode and and i wanted to ask you about um because i i following the discord following um the subreddit and getting some of the the conversations that i think someone lamented you know how early brita was you know smart cool all these mm-hmm. things and then she gets yeah. dumb and and yeah and um wanted your thoughts um and you know I, i'll give you my my opinion real, real quick and then you can deconstruct it i actually think that she's been full of crap the whole time but she gets she's very thoughtful and i i think she just has this facade that she's put up this you know i follow radiohead and you know and and those kinds of things you know like and yeah she i don't think she's got the 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 credit that she or she's not developed like she should have been and you know she becomes a punching bag often but you know, I don't. I would argue that I, I think she's always been that, and there was just this facade that made us this illusion that she was something else. And anyway, I'd love love to hear what you think about Britta and her. I mean, I I'll, I'll try and make this short because I could talk for hours about the, the female characters on this show. <laughs> That's um, why I'm how, talking how with they, you. It's great how they were done dirty. Oh uh, um, yeah. I mean, just just as a context, like I I told you, I did a, a brief look at the writers' room and, and episodes that were written by women in my favorite shows, and Community was the one that kind of spurred my curiosity in that. And you know, in the first two seasons, half of the episodes in those you know half of those seasons, um, sorry, in those two seasons, um, about half of the episodes were written by women like mm. or co-written by women and then that dropped from season three on to no more than 27 percent no i guess 31 percent is the highest in season four four out of 13 of the episodes but by the end of the series two out of 13 episodes were written by women and that's 15 yeah. percent of you know so i feel like in order to have the conversation about like the women on the show i always go back to okay, well, is there representation in the writer's room or in these episodes? Is is that maybe part of the problem? And my argument is, of course, that that is part of the problem, that representation does matter in writer's rooms. And, you know, it, it's not the end-all, be-all. But I think that uh, it's not, sorry, it's not the end-all, be-all in the case of Britta specifically. Um, but I do think that Britta was, as I rewatched the early seasons, she was jaded for sure. Um, she was, has seen a lot of life. Um, and she really, in the first season, it, her goal was to protect the study group from Jeff. Like she, in the pilot, kicks Jeff out and is like, yeah, well, thanks for admitting to us why you're here. We don't want you here anymore. Like leave us alone because now that you've admitted you're a terrible person, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Because I think she's seen too much of life to know that that's who Jeff is. She still has a softness about her, though, that's an endearing softness. Um, even in the episode where she tries to pull an April Fool's like, you know, there's just stories where you're like, gosh, Britta, mm. you're trying so hard. Yep. Um, and I think over the seasons, we definitely see her uh, dumped down. I mean, 
Jeff makes a comment, you seem smarter when I met you <laughs> later on. Um, and and that kind of always breaks my heart. Like, yeah, she kind of was. And now her name is used to, to, yeah. mean, to make a small mistake. Uh, I think that she's always been, you know, even in the early episodes talking about her, you know, activist days and that kind of thing. I think she's always been uh, someone who wants to, wants to change the world. She really does want to make the world better. She just doesn't really know what cause to jump on. She kind of jumps all over the place with it. And, and she kind of tries to pretend that she doesn't need people even though she does. And that's the prime example in this episode. Cause she basically like rebuffs Shirley and says, well, I was just throwing you a bone. Hmm. And Shirley kind of breaks down that wall until Britta's like, I've peed along my whole life. You know, I've never really had female <laughs> friends. And she kind of, you see that yeah. vulnerability yeah. come out. Um, but then, you know, later on in the show, she just kind of, I think they, I think once they took away, and, and maybe this was just me, this was just me posturizing, it might not be the case, but I really think that the Jeff, Britta, Annie of it all, kind of, the show not understanding how to navigate that kind of screwed over both of those women, uh, because just like Britta kind of went from being like this idealistic, you know, person who kind of is endearing to a dumbed down version of that Annie would be either a, a child or like a 50 year old woman depending on what they wanted her to be in an episode you know and so I think for I think once Jeff and Britta kind of was kaput they really were like well what do we do with Britta now um I guess we'll just make her the butt of everyone's joke hmm. so that's what she becomes which is my theory is that that is what ended up happening um but I do agree with it. I, I think toward the end of the series, uh, she starts to find herself again. And especially, even though I'm not a huge fan of, of season six, like Britta being able to find her place toward the end of the show is evident. But I think it took a long, really bumpy way to get there. Um, yep. Yeah. I, yeah. I think they, yeah. the, the same could be said about Chang. Yeah. Oh, 100%. You know, and... and... And I, I don't even think that's you know because I I think who I was gonna say is I don't even think that's necessarily because you know there wasn't representation uh, you know of people of color in the yeah. room. Well, no, where I, I do think that's the case probably with Shirley, um, yeah. as much oh, as absolutely. as not having a, a you know women in in the the writers' room. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, but I'm glad that you said Chang too because I was trying to remember that all of Chang's different identities in all of the seasons. I'm like, they put him all—he's all over the map as to what Chang was supposed to be for this show. But, uh, but you know, I, I'm gonna—I'm gonna say I love season one Chang as like teacher yep. teacher Chang. I feel like is always gonna be my favorite one because uh, it just works. It just yeah, works. yeah, I think that they. What I would have liked to see, and I actually posted this on um, on the Reddit, that I I actually think that they should have brought him back. You know, like he went to City College, and all he needed was his you know teaching certificate. And now he can teach yeah. whatever he wants. And season yeah. three would have been great for him to be a, a teacher. Um, though yeah. I do really like the the noir episode where he's do- doing the monologue and mm-hmm. playing the saxophone and that kind of the yeah. um, the episode where he burns down the 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 kitchen or whatever um i think that's a really really great episode you know i think we've dived a lot into 
the the angles that, that I think I wanted to talk about with I, I it needs to be said I wanted you to have a voice in it because and I wanted to at least listen to the part you know your perspective on the the writer's room the representation um yeah. the female characters and I think if there's people listening and I was just thinking about like you know I want I would hope that it's not just something that people, I hope most people who are community fans are, but who knows, you know, you like it for whatever you like it. I don't, I hope people don't like huff and puff and like get upset at these conversations. Cause I think there's like, there's, there's a necessary, like, you know, are we thinking about the the ramifications of X, Y, and Z? I think in general, we have to remember that they're just people on a pace, you know, paper that they're trying to do their best to, you know, from, as we said, writer's room, that's changeover from changeover from changeover and a very tumultuous TV show. I mean, like, um, never in the history has a writer, you know, the showrunner come back. Um, so I think some of it is we have to look at that perspective that there was never continuity, even in the beginning Mm -hmm. in who was running the show. Um, they had three different showrunners. um, and basically, uh, between Dan, um, Neil Goldman and Garrett Donovan and the Russo brothers, like there's a lot of stuff that's, that's happening. So, but yeah. I don't want to discount what you said either, because it's absolutely important for us to go. There's a reason why this episode was so good in na- mm-hmm. nailing these, these things because yeah. we had a, a woman writer. So yeah. it's like, can we look well, at both of these things at the same time and not like chop off her hands, get huff and puff yeah. or yeah. yeah. Anyway. Well, and that's one of the things that I think um, I started writing about this show because I wanted an outlet to write about a thing that I loved. And I, I'm going to butcher the quote, but I think that, um, there's a TV critic, uh, Ryan McGee, who said something a long time ago that always stuck with me. It's, um, knowing why you love something is way more important than loving something. Hmm. Um, and I think that community taught me how to look at television and to look at that show and go, okay, there's this thing I love. Why do I love it? Okay, there's this thing I don't like. Why don't I like it? Hmm. Um, and you know, I've had people over the years come at me over reviews and they're like, Oh, you just, you just hate this thing. I'm like, no, I love this thing. That's why I'm being critical of it right now because I know it can do better because I've seen it do better or because I wish this thing happened because, you know, then it would be consistent continuity wise. And, and, you know, friends and I have talked about like as great as football feminism and you is, we never really see some of these threads picked back up again. You know, you never really see a whole lot of Shirley and Britta stories again. You never really see, you know, in episodes where Pierce and Albert have a one-off story that go anywhere. And so for communities, community for me was the place where I finally learned how to look at the thing that I loved, but also say that there are things that I don't like about it. And that's okay. It's not, it's not bad. It doesn't mean that you hate the show. It doesn't mean that, um, the people who only praise it are better because I think there's danger in only praising something and not being able to see it false and not being able to see what it could have done better or, yep. or, or what it did wrong. Um, and, you know, I think that this is the show that taught me how to do that. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful because this is such a great show to do that with um, because there are so many things that were so good about it. And yeah, I, you know, 
we're not sitting here going, everything is terrible, but there's always room to look at the thing, even t- especially 10 years later, and go, yeah, I loved that. I wish that this was better, and I wish it could have, you know, done this more. I wish that there were more ri- women later on in the, in the series, and I think it impacted it. It doesn't mean that I'm saying I hate it, and it doesn't mean I'm less of a fan. Um yeah, I think that there's room. I think we need to learn in today, especially yes. today's age, yep. how to how to have those discourses and say, look, this this piece of art is good, but I also don't like this thing without being berated and called not a real fan of something. Mm. You know, I think that there's a danger in that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I I just had a conversation with a very conservative uncle, and I got him to support reparations. And that only happened, so let that sink in. Um, yeah. And but it happened through conversation. It happened through nuance. It happened through like mm-hmm. looking at this from all different angles and saying, you know, but what could happen? You know, what is the possibility? It it means yeah. c- cutting off the the cynicism and and looking at it from an optimist standpoint. But it also means looking at it from a realist standpoint and saying, but what could it be? So um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's 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 room for that. I think that there there should be more of that discourse of like, you know, just because someone is critical of something doesn't mean you get to you get to point a finger and go, aha, you really aren't a true fan. You hate yeah. it. Therefore, I'm going to dismiss everything you're saying. Um, but it's hard. But I think that this show this show taught me how to do that, and it gave me a community pun intended, hmm. of people to do it with, mm-hmm. even years later. So I'm incredibly grateful that you've you've allowed me the space to, to talk about that here. Oh, too. you'll be back. But um, yeah, this was oh. great. It was great. <laughs> and, and I think, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm glad that you're, you had a good time. And, and um, I, I'm, I'm learning a ton. Um, I, I lean into these kinds of conversations to, to figure out and, and go, okay, yeah, okay, now I can see a little bit different. And mm-hmm. And I think it's a really good segue to talk as a community fan, because you are 100%. Here are my my standard questions I'm asking people. This is the most controversial one. Season four, do you watch it or do you ignore it? Oh my gosh, I've had this conversation multiple times yeah. this week. I, uh, I'm not going to apologize for the fact that I don't think season four was as bad as everyone thinks it was. Yeah, uh, totally. So I do, I do rewatch... Um, I do rewatch season four. Uh, not all of it. I think that I, I think I skip probably a few here and there. Uh, the puppet episode I definitely skip. Um, really? But yeah, huh. I hated that episode when I watched it at first. So I just kind of pretend that one doesn't exist. I'm uh, a music person, so like you threw music I mean, at me and like. Ooh, I love cerebrellas too, and yeah. that's what gets me is because I'm like, oh man, I have to miss cerebrellas. Um, but no, I mean there there are certain episodes in that one that I think uh, I rewatch a whole lot. What about um, the uh, really, there's the um, Sophie B Hawkins episode? I don't think I've rewatched that one in yeah. a while. Yeah. Um. So like it's hard to say, like when I rewatch. This is so bad. I mean, this is also what I think a lot of people do. I do this with all of my shows. Is that I kind of have a tendency to skip around, and it's like oh. Yep. I'll start okay, in a yeah. random episode in season four, and then I'll just kind of pick and choose which ones I watch next. Um, so it's been a while since I've done the whole rewatch uh, as a as a 
series. Well, it's it's really hard because I, I I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because I'm doing these. I'm trying to watch you know the episode you know two three yeah. times and and then you know get my head straight with with what I want to talk about and you know but I'm like no I I want to go watch you know especially with Christmas time mm-hmm. I was like I want to go watch uh, um you know the, all yeah. the Christmas episodes a bunch yeah. And, yeah, I definitely did that. I definitely, and I mean, that was ahead of me recording a podcast for it specifically too, but it was like, it's taking everything in me to not just go, I really want to go rewatch like this chunk because I'm trying to kind of see them fresh, you know, and it, it, it's hard to not skip around when I do that. But So we're on the same page. Uh, we may not agree on all the episodes, but that's okay. We're... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um... yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, no, I I really like the puppet one, and I I like the the there's yeah anyway I'll I'll skip past this but um so the uh, the other things are I you know kind of want to know like there's a reason we love this show is because we're connecting with these characters and mm-hmm. you know so which characters do you think define you like you know who who do you most relate with Oh, this is without a doubt something I already asked Twitter a long, uh, long time ago. And by a long time, I mean like maybe less than six months ago. Um, I kind of I posted three fictional characters and I said, okay, Twitter, tell me which one do you think I am most like? And the resounding response was Annie Edison. <laughs> um, I will always, Annie is my forever fave from the show. Yeah. I will always relate to her. I am very type A. I'm very driven. I'm very idealistic. Um, so Annie is, is without a doubt my, my girl. <laughs> hey, that's how we keep the lights on. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I, I married one of those. So uh, I married <laughs> Annie, in, uh, a blonde Annie. But uh, yeah. uh, actually, yeah. her name is Annie, which is funny. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, funny. Um, but uh, uh, and I, my name is Alex. So technically, I guess that makes me um, uh, Starburns. Uh, so. oh. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any other question is, do you have any memes? Like what do you have any like go to like quotes or memes from, uh, Oh my gosh. Too many. From to count. The show. Yeah. Oh, from the show in general. Yeah. Oh man. I'm trying to think. Um, a hundred percent. I was, I was talking about this. I think one of the funniest things to me is that during, uh, during like the 2016 election cycle, a lot of people were posting their remedial chaos theory just of, of <laughs> Troy walking into the apartment that's on fire. Yeah, and I wanted to I wanted to respond to every single person who's ever used that gist. Like, do you know where this comes from? Are you a community fan? Because if not, I need you to watch the show. Yeah. Um. So I use that uh, a lot. I um. I feel like I quote like Troy's my whole brain is crying a lot to um uh i used when i used to work at my old job i had a a whole file of like uh bookmarks saved um like that were just like reaction just uh and so i feel like troy's um my emotions my emotions uh yeah that he has too um yeah i just i I feel like, and around Christmas time, I'm not going to lie, I always get songs from uh, regional holiday music stuck in my head. So I will always sing Teach Me How to Understand Christmas without <laughs> fail. Without fail, it just it just gets stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. And no one, not a whole lot of people in my like day-to-day life watch communities or you know ever watched it. So 
I can't even sing it because they will not understand what I'm referencing. Uh, yeah, I have, I have yeah. a friend who grew up Jehovah's Witness, so I send him the rap one. Every... Oh, the rapper. <laughs> it's just yeah. so great. It's yeah. so brilliant. Yep. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Do you have a favorite episode, maybe, that you can... Oh, gosh. I mean, it's, okay. that's hard, but... It's, it's so hard. It depends on my mood. Um, remedial Chaos Theory, I already said, is just, a, uh, just brilliant. Um, uh, football Feminism in You is a go-to for me. Debate 109 is also a go-to for me. Um, but uh, Conspiracy Theories and Interior Design, you're noticing that these are just any episodes, but, but they're all just brilliantly written. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the always around... Uh, Christmas time, Autism Uncontrollable Christmas, and regional holiday music. I, I also watched Glee for a long time. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And and so while I was watching, while you know, regional holiday music aired while Glee was still on the air, so I just found it to be uh, just delightful on multiple levels. Yeah. So, Did you know that Glee uh, literally means Glee? Yes, I did. You know that everything is cooler when cameras are spinning. That's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah. So that, those are like some of my favorites where I just watch and I'm like, ah, I just feel so happy about this. So yeah, excellent. Well, Jen, thank yeah. you so much for being on Six Seasons in a Podcast. Yeah. I look forward to. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I this is this is great. I um yeah. um look forward to let's let's do it again sometime. Um, it sounds like you've got there's a contender for talking about uh some of these uh, season two episodes um so let's let's try to make oh, that happen absolutely. so um absolutely. thank you so much yes thank you so much yeah.